Hey guys, welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. In today's episode, I sit down with Dr. Kim. Dr. Kim is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's a registered play therapist and a parenting educator. In her business, she is known as the parentologist. And in today's episode, we talk all about play, how play can show up as the bridge to connection with our children, how play can be used as a parenting tool in our harder parenting moments. We both share some of our own parenting stories and how we've used play. And we also discuss a little bit about Dr. Brene Brown's research on wholehearted living and the important ingredient that she found in her research, that ingredient being play. Even as an adult, it's important. I hope that you enjoy this episode and let's get to it. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast with Dr. Cassidy Freitas, licensed marriage and family therapist. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, let's jump in. Hello, welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. In today's episode, I am sitting down with my good friend and colleague, Dr. Kim. Hi, Hi. Dr. Kim. Hi, good morning. Thanks for inviting me into your home and recording this episode with me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming. So my hope in today's episode was to talk about play, playfulness, playfulness in parenting, play as a parenting tool. You are a registered play therapist. I am. You are a, an educator, a parenting educator. Yes. So before we jump into all of that, can you share with us a little bit about how you came to do this work that you're doing? So I pursued an undergraduate in actually sociology and went in a completely different direction after a couple of years and got my master's in TV broadcasting and worked in the entertainment industry in LA for many years. And it just wasn't where I wanted to be at that time. So then I went back to school and got my doctorate and I worked with all sorts of families and adolescents and individuals. And then I started working with young children mm. and then I found it. And it was just like a light bulb went off and my heart just became full. And I thought, this is where I want to be. So I pursued my play therapy and um, now I'm registered. And so I specialize with children zero to 12 and it's just my passion and I love it. Mm. Do you find that you're, so you're, you made a big shift. You were in the entertainment industry and journalism And then the shift to psychology and... Because you have your PsyD. I do. So your your doctorate in psychology. Doctorate in psychology. And do you find, though, that there... Is there a connection between these two? Was it like a complete shift where like everything from before was sort of left behind? Or or did you bring it with you? Oh, no. Definitely bringing it with me. And that's always, again, been a passion of mine for many, many years to combine the two passions together. Uh, I do uh, still love being in front of the camera, behind the camera, and that's why um, soon I'll be hopefully following in your footsteps and starting not only my own podcast, but also my own parenting talk show on YouTube and hopefully doing more from there. Um, you know, I'm doing local TV and some some other work um, in that entertainment field still, and I still love it. So if I can combine the two, and that would be a dream of mine come true. I love that you are stepping into the larger wellness conversation using your skills from being in, being in the public eye and being able to use journalism and being able to use different platforms to deliver a message. A lot of, I say this all the time, I feel like, but it's because I, I, 
I see it and I'm and I still struggle and I'm always negotiating this piece of as a licensed provider stepping into the larger wellness conversation. Yes. Being someone who does not have a background in journalism <laughs> or any of this and I don't know, it's it's a little nerve wracking, but I just I love yeah. to see other licensed providers who are doing that because I really think the wellness conversation needs more of that. They need people right. who you know, are, are going to be held accountable for what they're saying and where the information is coming from. Exactly. And yeah, so I'm so, I'm so grateful that you're doing it. Please, Thank you. please continue. Thank to you. Do it. Yes. No, I'm on my way. It's hopefully oh. soon around the corner. Okay. So let's jump in and talk about play. I'm excited okay. to be talking about my play favorite topic. Oh, I know it is, which is why this is so, this is so fun. So Something that Cosby Rogers and Janet Sawyer said in their book, Play in the Lives of Children, was that play is the essence of life. Would Mm -hmm. you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Whether you're um, two years old or 22 years old or 62 years old, play is such a huge component in our lives. Mm. And the longer, the soon as you can become playful and the longer you can stay playful, I think is is the essence of life. Mm. And, um, you know... Children especially need play to express themselves, mm-hmm. especially when they don't have words yet, if they're young enough or they don't have words, or maybe they have um, special needs and they can't say words, or if they are just been traumatized by a certain situation in their mm-hmm. life and they don't know how or don't want to talk about certain things. Um, I've utilized play in so many ways to help children that have been severely traumatized in their life. And it just makes a world of difference. So, So. because I find this as a parent myself, you know, um, and in working with, with clients who are young, different ages, you know, from three to, you know, so there's a huge age range of where this happens, where a child will come home and will say, they won't say, you know, I have, I, I'm going through something right now. Can mm-hmm. we talk about it? Mm-hmm. You know, I had a hard day. Can we talk about it? They're yeah. more, they're more likely to come home and say, can you play with me? Right. And speaking to what you said earlier about, you know, you can be three or you can be 63. Mm-hmm. Are, are, are you familiar with um, Brene Brown's research? Yes. So yes. in her book, Gifts of Imperfection, where she talks about her mm-hmm. research of mm-hmm. looking at what, wholehearted humans are doing. She was surprised to find this element Mm -hmm. of play. Mm -hmm. She was like, all these wholehearted people, they're doing this thing where they're like goofing off and they're like, they're, (laughs) they're engaging in these activities that don't seem to have any like, you know, there's, there aren't like goals or there's not something they're trying to accomplish. Right. They're just like kind of goofing off. And she's like, what is this? Yeah. And what emerged from the research was, play, mm-hmm. playfulness. Mm-hmm. And it's been now connected to better health Absolutely. and better relationships. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as adults, I think that there's often this piece of, it's like exhaustion becomes this like symbol of success. Right. And right. because it becomes this like status symbol of like, who's the most exhausted, who's hustling the most, right. the first thing that's going to go out the door well, beyond just sleep and rest, right. is going to be playfulness and play sure. and goofing off because... Who has time for who that? Who has time for that? <laughs> right. Right. There's more important things to be yes. done, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So but bring, so wrong. <laughs> so wrong. But bringing it back to kids. So kids are more likely to come home and not say, hey, mom, dad, I had a hard day. I have all these feelings inside. Can we talk about it? Right. They're likely to come home and say, 
can we play? Yeah. yeah. I know I have had this experience and I'm sure many other parents have. I'm sure mm-hmm. you have too, where mm-hmm. they come, you know, the la- it's almost like the last thing I want to do is play. It feels yes. like I just can't. Yeah. What's interesting is that once once I start to play, there there can be like I can't actually sort of find this replenished energy if I actually mm-hmm. allow myself to engage in like the goofiness and playfulness mm-hmm. that is being mm-hmm. called for. Yeah. But but it's really hard. I don't know. I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that piece of yeah. it can just it can feel really hard to just get down on the floor or go outside mm-hmm. and Mm-hmm. I don't know, engage in the playfulness that our children are asking us to engage in. Right, and it's so important to them and, right. and you as well for not just your own relationship together, but just for your own right. health and well-being. You know, I compare it sometimes to when you need to go to the gym, right? Mm. And you're tired. You don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to get your gym clothes on. You don't want to drive to the gym. You don't want to work out for, you know, 30, 45 minutes. It sounds exhausting to actually have to go to the gym. <laughs> right? Like literally exhausting. But when yes. you go to the gym, there's obviously a lot mm. of health benefits yes. to it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of mental health benefits mm. to going to the gym. And it can help reduce anxiety and depression and all those things that, you know, we talk about. But going to the gym takes effort. It takes energy. It takes time. It takes intention. I compare the same thing to play. Mm. Because once you actually go to the gym, you have more energy than you ever have before. It feels so much better. (laughs) It actually energizes you, right? So the same thing with play. It takes intention. It takes time. It takes energy and so forth. But when you go and you actually play with your child, there's so many mental, Mm. physical, uh, emotional benefits to it that when you play with your child or our playfulness in your own relationships, you gain energy and mm. you get that energy back from the play that you're that mm. you're engaging in. Yes. So yes, it may be hard to get that jump start and just get out there and do it. Um, but once you do it, you will feel so much better. You'll have so much more energy. You'll feel so much more attached to your child mm. and you'll want to do it again. Yeah. And it just, it is so beneficial for you mm. and your child. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I've discovered with play and playfulness when I, when I step into it, when I, you know, mm-hmm. when I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go into it. And then, and then when, you know, once I'm in it and I discover how replenishing it actually mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. is that play seems to be one, it invites creativity. Right. So when it comes to you know some difficult parenting situations, it actually yeah. invites it can invite creativity. Absolutely. Also, it seems to be this bridge to connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there are times when our children our children have so many ways of communicating to us that there that there's something going on. Yeah. Right. They may yes. isolate themselves or withdraw. Yeah. They may engage in behaviors that seem to like push us away. Yep. You know? So yeah. they can't they can come at us swinging like yep. literally sometimes <laughs> or yes. screaming. And those sort of behaviors seem to elicit two responses. We either right. worry or we become annoyed and frustrated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have found, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, I found that play actually seems to be like the bridge to like connecting. It, it, it's a, the bridge to connection with right. our children. Right. What have you... What have you used as a play therapist in your own home to sort of, you know, invite that bridge? And how sure. does that bridge happen and occur? Sure. You know, um, I 
typically recommend to parents to spend at least 20 to 30 minutes a day on the floor with mm-hmm. their kids, uninterrupted, no phones, no iPads, no anything, uh, no electronics, no TV, yeah, and just play. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean necessarily you engaging with them. You could be on the floor with them, and they just want you to watch them. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean you actually have to, you know, dress up in, you know, a superhero costume and run around the room with them for 30 minutes. It may just mean, you know, I have times where my kids tell me, can you just watch me play for a few minutes? And I just sit on the floor and I Mm. watch them play. And you're just there. And I'm just there. I'm present. Yeah. That's the whole, I'm just present. And like consciously connecting through your presence. Like you're not, you're not scrolling on your phone and picking up that. Or doing laundry at the same time or multitasking. I'm just there. You're there. You're present. Right. And that's sometimes all they need. Now, Mm. sometimes. Sometimes they'll ask me to engage or sometimes I'll actually want to engage and, you know, or we'll try to engage and, you know, it just, it, the, the bond grows stronger and, you know, stronger. But, you know, sometimes, like I said, it's, it's just being present and being in the same room with mm. them and watching them because, um, I'm sure you heard as, as a, as a mom, watch me, watch me, watch me. And mm. they want to show you they what they do. And that sometimes is just what they need. Um, you know, but as a, as a parent, you know, I try to incorporate play, like I said, on a daily basis. Sometimes that's hard. It's a great goal to have and sometimes it doesn't happen and that's okay. We just forgive ourselves, move on. Tomorrow's a new day. Mm. Um, So lots of grace. Yes. Lots of grace. (laughs) Yes. Um, you know, a strategic therapist told me years ago that, uh, and this was more for couples counseling, but when you are in the middle of an argument with your husband to just stop in the middle of it, and this is hard. <laughs> As a wife, I know this is hard. Stop in the middle of it and just do an impromptu dance party or do something crazy that just throws your your partner off yes. and it just breaks up the cycle, the negativity. So in a similar suit, when your child is having a tantrum, when your child is... Um, you know, being indifferent and they're on the couch and they're ignoring you and mm. they don't really want to talk about it or whatever mood they're in, I say break it up, mm. put some music on, have yeah. an impromptu dance party, set the stage up for them to know it's okay to just release. Mm. And if that means just not talking about it, not even playing necessarily, but use play as a tool to engage in different ways other than mm. toys. But have a dance party, go mm. on a walk, you know, go to the park, just change it up. Say, you know what, pack your bags. We're going to go to the park right now for a few minutes. Something yeah. just to break up the day yes. and get them out of that mood. I have, I have an example to share. So, oh, the morning routine, getting dressed, oh, yes. getting out the door. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> okay. So one, um, so the other day it was with my, so my three and a half year old mm-hmm. and you know, it was just one of those mornings, like the battle, the battle had begun. It was like, I can it, relate. And it felt like this power <laughs> struggle of like, he did not want to get dressed. He did not want to leave. Yeah. And I was finding myself feeling frustrated and looking mm-hmm. at my watch. Like we got to go. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to, we're going to be late. And from that, from that space of like reactivity, right? Like right. Frust- if, fr- if frustration jumped in the driver's seat in that moment, it was going <laughs> to lead to me. I don't know, like you know, like forcing him to get dressed, him kicking and screaming, like, you know, carrying him to the car, strapping him in. Mm -hmm. And it just, and you feeling guilty for the rest of the day because it didn't go smoothly. No. So instead, and let me, I'll I'll be honest that that is, that happens some morning. Oh, sure. (laughs) Sure. Okay. We're human. (laughs) Yeah. So, but in this time, 
instead because he's he's had this huge interest in volcanoes and lava mm-hmm. um, recently. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ever. His name's ever. It's like ever. Do you hear that? Because you know he was he was he was like moaning that we had to leave and getting upset. Right. And all of a sudden I was like, wait, and I whispered, and he's like, what? He whispers mm-hmm. back. I'm like, do you hear that? He's like, what? <laughs> he's like, I'm very like I've got his attention now. I'm like, I think that you're a volcano. Mm-hmm. <gasps> and he looks at me, his eyes get big, and I'm like, the lava, uh-huh. the lava is coming. We need to get to your room. His room is where his clothes are. Right. <laughs> And we both, I'm like, who can get there the fastest? Mm-hmm. Now we're chasing, you know, we're running mm-hmm. as quickly as we can to his room. So now we're in his room. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, ever. Mm-hmm. We need to get to Avunavoa's house. Their house is an island. And yeah. his Avunavoa, that's Portuguese for grandma and grandpa. That's where he was. That, that's where we were supposed to be heading. Right. I'm like, their house is an island. We need to get dressed as quickly as possible. And we need to get to their house before the lava comes. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, okay. <laughs> like, like the quickest I've ever seen him. But like, I mean, we're giggling. Like, right. He's, I mean, <laughs> right. we're, we're both laughing. We're giggling. And yeah. it's like, I, and I, I call it chasing the giggles. Like mm-hmm. chasing the giggles. Like mm-hmm. whatever, I love whatever that. invites the giggles, like that's the space. Yes. That's a space that we can be in. In a moment when yes. we feel like we're kind of in a deadlock, right? Right. Um, and I feel right. I feel reactivity. And we're pushing up against the wall yes. and there's nowhere to go. Yes. Yeah. And before you know it, we're like running to the car because, mm-hmm. you know, in our there's imaginary lava filling right. our home, you yeah. know? And we're both laughing. And it was a completely different experience <laughs> than it could have been. Absolutely. Right? I love that story, first of all. And that's so smart. And, you know, and that's my, my point is you can make any day activity into mm. a fun routine. Mm. You know, if you need your child to be quiet for some reason, if you're on the phone or if you're, you know, if you work from home like me and you have a lot of conference calls or, or your work phone calls or things like that, or you're recording podcasts mm-hmm. in your living room. Yes. <laughs> And, you know, you tell your child, I want you to be a ninja and I want you to be as quiet as possible. And yes. you can make it into a, a game. Who, you know, the silent game I know is, is worked a lot in schools, you know, but let's see who, who can stay silent the longest, you know. So quiet games are great, but you can make almost any type of daily activity, getting dressed, you know, mm. bath time, going yes. to bed, you know, into a fun game or routine, mm. which also invites play. Yes. So again, it's not just sitting on the floor for 20 minutes of engaged time. You know, if, if let's say, especially if you didn't get that time in for that day, Mm. because again, we get busy and life happens, then, you know, make the bedtime routine into a game similar to what you were describing. And yeah, you know, so I got this, I have another one that we, we use now and now it's something that my kids actually ask for, which Mm -hmm. is interesting. So I got this, um, from, I believe it's Larry Cohen's book, Playful Parenting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so cleanup, room cleanup is like, oh, yes. Oh, goodness gracious. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what, what used to work was yeah. that song, clean up, everybody clean up. Yeah. And, and then my kids would sing it and, you know, everybody everywhere. Da, da, da. Anyway. Yeah. And they were excited about it. And they it. loved it. Yeah. That, that doesn't work anymore. So, you know, this was a little while ago and you know, the battle, the battle was starting. I was like, I need you to clean up, you know, mm-hmm. and, and my, mm-hmm. also I'm getting reactive. I'm like you're, you need to show respect for our home and you're right. like, you know, I'm not going to do this ever. Like, I could have made all of these, right. like, <laughs> we're never going to play again. I'm never going to do this again because you won't clean up this mess, which is none yeah. of it's true. So right. it's because like you're cleaning up every day. Right. And just, so, so me yeah. making these like big, huge threats, like none of that is actually, right. I'm not going to follow through on those threats and it's just, right. none of it is effective. And so 
Instead, I picked up two stuffed animals, Mm -hmm. and one stuffed animal was like, Riley's not going to clean. She doesn't even know how to clean, like in this like nasty voice. And the other doll was like, yes, she does. She sure does know how to clean. Mm-hmm. She's going to clean. You just watch. And the other doll was like, no, she's not. She doesn't even know how to do it. She doesn't even know where any of this stuff goes. And the other doll was like, yes, she does. I really believe mm-hmm. that she is. You're going to be proven wrong. And as these two are like arguing, mm-hmm. she starts like picking them up and she's like right. giggling and she's putting things away and she's laughing. Uh-huh. And then, and then that well, that one, the nasty doll, the nasty stuffed animal was like, I, I told you she wouldn't do it. And the other mm-hmm. one's like, look what just happened. You just mm-hmm. missed it. You weren't even paying attention. The whole room is clean. Yep. And it was like, yeah, I, I mean, a million times easier. And it's funny because now, now she'll, not every time, like, but she'll ask for something. She's like, can you do that thing with those stuffed <laughs> animals? Yeah. And so she's actually inviting this play mm-hmm. that's going to lead to the cleanup. Right. And and we're giggling and we're laughing mm-hmm. and we're connected through the whole process. Absolutely. You know, uh, I have used puppets so many times. Oh, I love puppets. You know, dolls, puppets, <laughs> yes. you know, you name it, to get a message across, whether it's to a client yes. or to my own children. Yes. You know, um, when I've had selectively mute clients in the past yes. or when I've had, again, clients with a lot of trauma. Can that- you share what um, selective mutism is? Sure. You know, um, it's, it's an anxiety. It's an yeah. anxiety um, type of anxiety disorder. And, you know, it's where they're selectively mute. They won't speak in certain environments. So in my instance, the the little girl that I worked with years ago um, would speak at home all the time, Mm. according to her parents, too much. (laughs) Yeah. But when she was at school, she wouldn't speak to anyone, not her peers, not teachers, Mm. uh, anyone. So we worked throughout the year in trying to get that um, to her to even get to a whisper. And that Mm. was a huge accomplishment for us by the end of the year. Um, But I utilized puppets, you know, to do that. Um, you know, uh, but, but using dolls, using puppets, using something that isn't, um, it's your voice, obviously we know that, but to them, it's the doll's voice. Mm. It's the puppet's voice. So sometimes if I want something done, I'll get my puppet out and I'll put it on my hand and I'll say, you know, to my kids, you know, can you please do whatever chore I want them to do? Or will you please go pick this up or throw this away? And I do it through the voice of the puppet. Mm. And so they listen to the puppet more than they listen to me, (laughs) (laughs) but it works. It's a playful way for them to get things done, but they're listening to Mr. Horse or Mr. Cow or whatever the puppet is. so interesting. I'm just thinking my dad the other day, um, my son has um, a little blankie, we call it his Mimi, Mm -hmm. and my dad always makes Ever's Mimi talk. Oh, yeah. And the other day, he didn't want to leave my parents' house because Mm -hmm. he just adores them. Yeah. And he, he, my, my dad had got the Mimi and he was like... He he like had the Mimi talk like tell him mm-hmm. like do you uh, like the, to the like, he, to, he had the Mimi say it to him like do you want to stay with me and stay at my house forever and the Mimi was like no way <laughs> and then he was like do you want to go home back to Ever's room where you live and the Mimi was like yes and he's mm-hmm. like do you want to do you want to go with Ever and then the Mimi was chasing him to the car oh how fun oh my gosh I'm just how thinking about such how. A difference. Okay, I'm gonna use next. I'm gonna use the Mimi from mm-hmm. now on to get yep. him to do all, all sorts absolutely. of things. Absolutely, absolutely. But oh, that's the thing. You, that. you have to find what motivates your children yeah. and what they love. You know, what type of um, you know, a, a, say puppet or toy that that they mm. that speaks to them, and then you can utilize some of the things that you mm. need to yes. to help them in a playful way to learn responsibility, learn respect, yes. learn safety, all those things. You know, and so. What are your thoughts on how play and playfulness 
because I think we think of play, playfulness, we think of like, you know, yes, it sounds like a great way to connect and, um, to bring joy and, and giggles and laughter. Um, you know, like for example, I was gone for the last five days. Yesterday's my first day back at home. And when I came home, the first thing my kids asked for was to wrestle. And mm-hmm. it's like, <laughs> yep, <laughs> because it, it were rough housing, right? Yeah. And but there's there there's so much connection that's happening, right? You know, in that. Right. Um, so it can be used as a way to connect or reconnect um and to invite joy and laughter. But also, but what about the harder moments, right? What about the moments when our children are are struggling or feeling mm-hmm. sad mm-hmm. Um, or feeling withdrawn or feeling low, you know, what about in these harder moments? What are your thoughts on how play, play can show can up in these that. moments as well? You know, those are the harder moments to work with, obviously. Um, as a therapist, I've, I've done it. And as a parent, I think it's even harder because you're emotionally attached. They're your children and you mm-hmm. want the best for them. And when they're hurting, you hurt. Um, so, you know, I, I tread slowly first and foremost. And those are the times where play doesn't necessarily have to be about laughing. Play Mm. doesn't have to be about fun necessarily. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, giving them their favorite blanket or their favorite doll, Mm. um, to just hold, um, using toys as a comfort measure, as a coping tool, Mm. um, you know, being able to express themselves, you know, by drawing, by doing a craft, by painting, things like that. Um, they can, um, even cooking a lot of food tools. So a lot of, um, so a lot of baby type items. So any type of dolls, stuffed animals, um, uh, food, any type of like nurturing type mm. of toy, um, can be given to a child at, at those times and, um, and very therapeutically as well. Any type of, um, expressive type art. So arts, um, drawing, painting, things like that, you know, set your child up to show me what you're feeling in your picture. Show mm. me what you're feeling in this. How, how about you, um, take care of your baby or your doll or your stuffed animal, um, and help them because it seems like they're hurting right now. Mm. And then you'll see a shift in their play you'll see them taking care of them essentially. Mm. So they become the doll, they become the stuffed animal Mm. and whatever hurt or pain or frustration or anger or sadness that they're going through is going to be expressed through their play through that doll or that stuffed animal. And And they're going to take care of them. And what's so beautiful about that is you get invited into seeing what it is that your child actually wants or needs Absolutely, in those tougher moments. I I knew we were recording today and there was a story I wanted to share and I it has to do with my daughter and something that she was struggling with and I asked her permission yesterday if she'd mm-hmm. be comfortable with me sharing it. She knows the kind of work that I do and if she'd be comfortable with me sharing this with other parents. Sure. And and she gave me consent. So wonderful. A few years ago, she was really struggling when it came to swimming mm-hmm. and she was terrified of it, honestly. Mm-hmm. And we did all, you know, lots of exposure, always going to the pool, mm-hmm. you know, signed her up for lessons and that just seemed to make it worse mm-hmm. because there was this built up of anxiety. And I think she felt like she just didn't have any control over any of this. Right. Right. And it was just, and, and you know, and I was, I was, af- I was afraid because I really wanted her to be pool safe. So mm-hmm. that fear mm-hmm. was kind of making, was pushing me to push her. Right. So 
Eventually, though, we were like, no, this is working. And the mm-hmm. girl is getting more and more scared of swimming. She's going to actually hate swimming. It's funny because I actually hate swimming. <laughs> um, and I still have, like, some memories, like trauma memories of when I was younger and having, mm-hmm. you know, being, being forced under the water as a way of oh, learning. Yeah. And, you know, it's just it's a normal thing that a lot mm-hmm. of kids go through. Mm-hmm. So instead, um, we were home one day and... I decided to do a little role reversal with her mm-hmm. where, you know, she's, she's like, can you play with me, mommy? And I was like, yeah. So we went down in our kind of play area where we usually play. And I was like, I have an idea. I was like, what if we play pool? And her eyes got big and I was like, mm-hmm. no, we're just going to play. But what about if this time you're the teacher mm-hmm. and I'm the kid who needs to learn how to swim? Mm-hmm. And I you know, I sort of played as, and it's, it's me, it's obviously it's me as an adult, so it looks silly, but I played this, like, I was like exaggerated petrified, you Mm -hmm, know, just like mm -hmm. I couldn't even put my tip of my toe into the water. (laughs) And so as I was sort of being, you know, goofy about this and like this, um, you know, this like awkward adult who's pretending to be like afraid (laughs) of the pool, (laughs) she's get she starts giggling. And then I looked at her and I'm like, can you teach me? I'm so scared. And she, you know, all of a sudden in something, in an area in which she had felt for so long, like Mm -hmm. she didn't have agency or control Mm -hmm. in this role reversal, the control was given to her. Absolutely. And it, one, brought joy and goofiness Mm -hmm. and laughter into Mm -hmm. something that had previously been all tears Mm -hmm. and fear. Mm -hmm. And then she actually showed me Mm-hmm. what it is that she would need in those moments because right. she was so gentle with me yeah. and she would say things to me like, all you got to do is put one toe in, just try one toe. Mm-hmm. And it was like, mm-hmm. now all you got to do is move a little bit closer in. Yeah. And then she'd, then, then she would say things like, and only when you're ready. And I was like, she just gave me everything I needed to know yeah. of how to support her in this. That's beautiful. You know, I think a similar thing can happen sometimes with like doctors. Mm-hmm. I, when I was getting my PhD, I took a couple of courses with a child life specialist mm-hmm. who are just, child life specialists are a gift to mm-hmm. this world. So they often are in hospitals with children who are having long hospital stays and mm-hmm. children who are, you know, facing um, really serious illnesses. Mm-hmm. And so many times those kids in the, in the hospitals and, you know, are, there's so much that's out of their control. Right. They're getting poked and prodded all day long Mm -hmm. and they don't really get to say, there's not much control in Mm -hmm. all of that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just to see the child life specialists playing with these children, playing doctor, right. Mm -hmm. Where they are in control. They are the ones giving the child life specialists the shots. I don't know. There's just in that role reversal, Mm -hmm. there's there's, there's a, they regain agency and control, but they actually give you the gift of showing you what it is that they're either feeling or what they're needing. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. So again, in your story, which is fantastic. I mean, that's great that she was able to, now did that change her fear of the pool after? Oh my gosh, the girl loves the water. Yeah. Isn't amazing? She, she's just, she's so comfortable. It took a while. She had to go at her own pace. Sure. I remember we were driving by Target and she was, I was like, should we buy some goggles? Because in our play, mm-hmm. she asked me, do you want something to cover your eyes? Because sometimes oh. when you put your face in the water, it hurts your eyes. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yes, please. Mm-hmm. I need something to cover my mm-hmm. eyes, you know, in this play. 
And so we were driving my tram. I was like, do you want to go get some goggles for your eyes? And she, her eyes got coming. She's like, okay, but, but I don't want to go swimming with them. And I was like, oh, that's fine. So we went to Target, got the goggles. And then we took him home and mm-hmm. she was in the bath. I'm like, do you want to, do you want to, your goggles in the bath? Just, you, you don't have to put them on. You don't have to like, but mm-hmm. you just want to play with them. Mm-hmm. So she played with them in the bath. The next time we went to the pool, you know, she was like, I'm just going to sit and watch. And I'm like, that's fine. And she's like, I don't want anyone to grab me. Cause you know, mm-hmm. she was used to being like, you know, from swimming lessons, being grabbed and being dunked. Yeah. Like, no one's going to touch you, yeah. you know, like, yeah. and so I was like, do you want to bring your goggles? And she's like, mm, yeah, but I don't want them in the water. We got there, and slowly but surely, she went, she would go and splash around with her feet. Mm-hmm. She said, I'm just going to bring my goggles closer. Right. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's fine. You know, like, right. whatever you want to do. <laughs> and then it was like, I'm just going to bring my goggles into the water, but I don't want to put them on. I'm like, that's fine. Yeah. It's This is all, this is your show, girl, mm-hmm. whenever you are ready. And, yeah. and, like, it's been a year or two now, and the girl, she's mm-hmm. she's diving in, she's jumping in. Isn't that amazing? And th- she loves it more than I do. Yeah. And so <laughs> she's having to show me how to make it fun. Right, right. I'm so, I'm so petrified, yeah. traumatized. But <laughs> right, because, you know, you didn't have the experience of how yeah. you're you know, teaching her and, you know, in, in most of the parenting, um, consultations that I do is I suggest to parents constantly to let, to empower their children, to let their children make as many choices as possible, whether it's in their schedule. Uh, for instance, you know, especially for some of the older children I work with, you know, they have to do their homework. Yeah. They have to eat dinner. They have to take a bath at night. You know, those types of things that are, are must-dos. Yes. And then the maybe elective things, you know, playing something or maybe being on the computer or things like that. So, you know, to come up with a list of priorities for each night, if it's a weeknight especially. And, you know, so homework has to get done. Bath has mm-hmm. to get done. Dinner has to get done. Mm-hmm. But what order that goes in could mm. be the child's choice. Yeah. Maybe they eat first on a Wednesday night and then maybe they do homework after they eat yes. or maybe they play first and then mm. they do homework or, you know, but th- all those things need to get done and they will get done. Mm. But the order they go in is up to the child, mm. which really empowers them and actually motivates them because they're, they're, they're invested in getting it done because they're making, they're calling the shots. I but the parent's that. still happy because those things are still getting done and there's no fight around it. There's no mm. power struggle because the child's empowered. Same thing with little kids, um, with babies. You know, um, I have a, a bowl of pacifiers for my son and he gets to choose which, which pacifier he wants at night. I don't choose for him yeah. and he's only not even a year and a half yet. Yeah. Or I give two diapers and I say, pick one, which one do you want to wear today? Mm. And he gets to pick which diaper he wears that day. And he may not actually understand at this point yet. He, he does get the, the, the gist of picking something out. But whether he's actually internalizing, oh, mom's giving me a choice at a year and a half, but it's setting the stage up for later. It's making it a normal experience. Exactly. In our our family, I have agency. Yes. And I have choices. And I have a say. Right. Mm. So, and same with my daughter. Her clothes, her her bows and her hair, you know, she has to wear clothes to school, but what she wears, I give her two or three choices, Mm -hmm. and then she gets to pick between those two or three choices. Right. So, it really works. What about sibling rivalry? Is there any way that play or playfulness can show up as, as something that's supportive in sibling rivalry or, sure. or challenges between siblings? Sure. Um, you know, one, I don't say rule, I don't really have a steadfast rule about this, but one guideline I use is there are certain toys for him, there are certain mm. toys for her, and there are certain toys they play with together. 
Mm. And especially our outside playground area, that's that's for both of them. So, mm. and that's where they really come alive, because um, they're both happy out there. They both have you know the slide and the sandbox and the toys they get to play with outside, mm. and they get to play together. And they really have a lot of fun doing that. And I imagine though they also though then feel like there are things that are precious to me, mm-hmm. and there are things I that I own exactly. Right? And exactly. And I may, I may decide, I may, I mm-hmm. have a choice of saying, mm-hmm. this is something that I, I'm willing to, I want to share, right? you know, but that they have a choice in that. And there's right. something that, that is their own. Okay. Right. Yeah. And or keep it to themselves if they mm. don't want to play with that certain toy that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's times they play on their own and that's fine too. And there's sometimes they play together mm-hmm. and that's um, okay, so this has been so, so helpful, Kim. Can you share with us what some of your favorite play parenting resources are? Sure. You know, I think there's a time and place for everything. You know, the things that, you know, I offer on my website and, and my blog and soon to be podcast and whatnot, you know, are, are very beneficial for the everyday parent. You know, um, I've always had a slogan when I started my brand a couple years ago of, um, that my brand is everything parenting with a therapeutic twist. Mm. So, um, you know, so I give, uh, expertise in parenting and play and, but sometimes what you really need is your best friend, mm. you know, the mom next door, Those your neighbors. Natural supports. Absolutely. So, you know, finding a mom that you can trust and finding a mom that is aligns with the same type of parenting that you do, um, to ask them for advice, mm. you know, say, you know, we learn so much from other moms. I know as a mom myself, even though I have this expertise in this particular area and I'm a mom myself. And so I have my personal experience that comes into play as well, but I learn so much every day from other moms and from my friends and from, um, neighbors and family members. And, you know, just by asking a question and saying, I need help with this, you know, what do you suggest or what have you done? Because most likely that mom has gone through something similar. Mm -hmm. And and so I always say, first and foremost, you know, go to your friends, go to your, go to your support groups and, um, and find out, you know, if they can answer your question. If not, then you can come to, let's say something like my website or email me and say, you know, I need help with this. Mm. I need a, a more, more in depth, um, advice, you know, so then they can seek someone like myself or another parenting expert. Amazing. Thank you so much, Kim. This You're has welcome. Been such a joy. Thank you for Where having me. Where can people me. find you? You can visit my website at uh, theparentologist.com. And I'm also on social media at theparentologist. And um, my email, everything else, sells my website. So you can always contact me that way as well. Thank you, Kim, so much. Thank you. You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the information that was shared in this episode. If you did, you might want to subscribe and be the first to hear about future episodes as soon as they air. Thank you so much for sharing this space with me. Have a great day.